thankful to God. Uh, today, I would want to share with you uh, my story. It's, it's a story of what literally happened in our country, Zimbabwe. Right. So I've actually given uh, my, my, the heading of what I'm going to talk about. I've said COVID-19, our eye-opener. Right. So I'm going to say something about that. Um, when COVID hit the whole world, we never thought it would come to Zimbabwe. Because the people have been telling us that COVID is a white man's disease. So we knew we are home and dry. But unfortunately, what happened is we discovered that COVID is also affecting us in Zimbabwe. And the thing is, we were affected even in our churches. This is what actually happened. Our churches in Zimbabwe were shaken. The wind blew and, and this storm came. I can tell you that almost every church in Zimbabwe felt it. Because what happened is, uh, unlike you guys, in Zimbabwe we could not do online uh, services because data, you, you can't buy data in Zimbabwe. It's very expensive. It's for the big shots, actually. <laughs> so we couldn't do um, a church on, online. And um, the other thing is, uh, you, you know our country, it's, it's, it's one of its own. If, if the government says stay indoors, you better never try to put your foot out of the house because they know how to treat you. So we were locked in our houses permanently for two solid years. Out of those two years, I can remember maybe we the one or... I can't count to five the number of times we managed to meet with the people. So I was thinking, you know, I'm building well and, you know, the church is thriving and all that stuff. But I was shocked to discover that we actually lost a lot of people in our church. I'm talking of around 50% of our people after COVID did not come to church. They'd gone and they'd gone for good. And what happened is because we were not allowed to meet in our churches, those white gown churches, you know those guys who put on white, white stuff? And <laughs> those were allowed to, to do whatever because they meet under trees and in mountains. So... We thought we were smart, said, no, we will never go up mountains. But our people, behind our back, they were going up mountains. And we, we lost those people for good because they threatened people. You, when you go there, you will never come back, even if you are a white man, because they know how to, how to play with your brains. So, so I said to myself, after COVID, now I said, what could have been the problem here? And I discovered number one thing that I'm going to share with you. I know this problem is not here, but let me tell you, let me share with you my story. <laughs> I discovered that what I may call the bedrock of repentance 
was not proper. When I talk about bedrock, I'm talking about the principles and ideas on which we have been preaching repentance. This, we discovered that it was not really proper. It seemed to have been, we seem to have been putting the horses before the cart. And that was like a problem. So we thought we had people who had given their lives to the Lord, but because of that, they were not rooted in the proper understanding of repentance. As is common to many African churches, we convinced the people to repent because of the following reasons. Reason number one, we would tell people that they must repent to avoid hell. If you don't repent, you will go to hell. So repent. And many people would repent <laughs> because no one really wants to go to hell. The other thing is we were saying in order for, okay, if you want to avoid hell, the next destination is heaven. So if you want to go to heaven, how many of us want to go to heaven? So some gave their lives to, what can I say now? To Jesus, no, to the church. Uh, because they wanted to go to heaven. And others repented because they wanted to avoid punishment and judgment here on earth because if you are not a friend of God, that is what I would preach. If you are not a son of God, if you are not related to God, then you are God's enemy. And God can judge you even when, right now, and there is another judgment that is to come. Um, and sometimes we would uh, take people to church and teach them that when you come to church, God will bless you. God will bless you, and uh, God will protect you. If, you. if you look at these things, all of them are somehow correct. But it's, we were building on the wrong thing. And, and if, you, the other, if you have been trained by missionary, the other way you would teach people is, God loves you. Then in Zimbabwe, and if you say God loves you, he looks at you and say, which God? We're in trouble in Zim. We've been praying for many years and nothing. But sometimes you would convince others to come to church um, and so on and so on. But I believe now, this is what I think. This is what I believe. Meaningful and genuine repentance takes place when we help individuals to understand the fall of man, then let them know the bad news before they are told about the good news. The gospel is the good news. Can I, can I have a scripture? Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Um, um, on, on the board there. Thank you very much. Um, surely, the gospel is good news. But you see, the only way to explain good news is first of all telling the person the bad news. Yes, the gospel is good news. Good news for what? 
why is it called good news? What is it that had happened initially that has brought this idea of talking of good news? You get what I'm saying? Okay, now if you look at that scripture, you see uh, it's a story about God uh, starting to relate with men. And one of the things that he did there is that he actually wanted men to rule on this earth. He wanted the earth to be in the hands of humanity. Uh, human beings like you and me to rule and reign on earth. That, that was his initial thing. But the bad news is that we did not meet his requirements. That's the bad news. And because we did not meet his requirement, what happened is we were chucked out of the Garden of Eden. I honestly believe uh, genuine repentance must start with the knowledge of what initially happened before you talk about the now. This is what I'm seeing now. Okay. The problem we have is that of spiritual positioning. To explain the source and the cause of our predicament. So we lost the following things because of that. We lost dominion itself, which included the glory of God, the provision, protection, eternal life, relationship, and fellowship, among other things. If we look at Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, you will see Jesus opening his mouth for the first time and saying something. There you are. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Jesus did not come and say, repent. No, he started with the kingdom. He explained, the, he talked about the kingdom first because it is the kingdom that humanity had lost. He came to restore a kingdom. So the reason why I, I said we had like uh, put the horses before the, the cut, it is because now I'm preaching, Nick is preaching, he is talking about all these good things that God can do when we repent, but not, not, not really zeroing in on what we lost. I honestly believe if a person is told, you know, sometimes we do this hit and run kind of thing when we are talking to people about Jesus. We want to quickly come to the end. Repent, my brother. I think it's time for you to repent. <laughs> come on, take your time and explain to this man or to this woman that we're in trouble. We were in trouble. This is what happened. And we lost all these good things because of what we did. So he preached the kingdom, then repentance. He was saying, he was like saying, guys, I've come to restore what was lost. Therefore, change your mind. Because repenting is changing your mind. Change your mind and believe the gospel. We are now in Zimbabwe helping people to properly and genuinely repent by helping them to desire to get restored to their original spiritual position. 
Yes. We don't push them. We say, my friend, this is the story, this is the bad news that happened. And that bad news can be turned around by you desiring to be restored back to the original spiritual position. Because in that, there is a lot of good things that we receive when we come into the kingdom. So that's, that's my first point. I wanted us to, to see something that I saw. Because the bedrock on which we had, uh, we had been preaching repentance, number one, it was too fast, quick, quick. And we, we are often told by some people that these fast foods are not very good for us, even though there's nice food and all that stuff. But I think even in Christianity, fast repentance is somehow good, but it's not the best. The best is for a person to repent after you have told him the bad news and then the good news. And he will obviously go for the good news because everybody wants good things. Amen. Hmm. Then my second point is this one. I think we were more of preaching church than the kingdom. If, if we read from the book of uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, it, it says God has actually taken us out of the kingdom of God, uh, of darkness, into the kingdom of his beloved son. Right. Now, you can see that it's all about the kingdom again. But... Uh, you, 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 you read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It talks about this God, this good God. What he has done is he has taken us into his marvelous light from darkness. Now, if you look at all these scriptures, that you know that church actually means the called out ones. But the question is, yes, we may understand it's the called out ones. Called to do what? There should be a reason why you are called out of darkness. And so, sometimes we occupy people. This is what actually happened in Zimbabwe and many churches. We occupy people in church by doing good stuff in church, powerful worship, good leadership. That's fine. No problem. But the thing is, that particular person who has given his life to the Lord, is he involved in the kingdom, in doing practical things in the kingdom? So, and, 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 and actually problems set in because if a person is here, how, how many people can come here to be in the worship team? Sorry for using this church as an example. You have given me an opportunity to just say, so. how many people can be involved in, 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 in praise and worship? Very few. How many people can become deacons? Very few. How many people can become elders? Very few. Now, now my problem was, I'm not talking about you. You guys are organized. I'm talking about myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I would try to make as many positions in church as possible so that I can at least involve some people. <laughs> we were putting lots of emphasis and attention on the church rather than the kingdom. If we read Luke chapter 9, verse 2, verse 6, and verse 9, 
Jesus always said to his disciples, go and teach the kingdom. Go and preach the kingdom. Go and preach the kingdom. Church is a very important thing in the eyes of Jesus Christ. But church is not important enough for God to allow the church to be within its four walls and enjoying itself. That is what was happening in Zimbabwe. I had, I had, I had so many churches, and our church was like, we, are, we have got a church almost this size or a little bit bigger. It was almost full. But little did I know that what I am doing is I, I am helping people to enjoy church, but not to enjoy being part of a kingdom, to do kingdom business. That is why we're here. That's why we're called out of darkness into his marvelous light to do something, to, to do what we are supposed to do in that particular kingdom. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10, it, it, it talks about uh, the fact that the, the, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should, should be evident. Right? So, if, if you look at it, yes, church is very, very important and God loves the church. But I think if our being Christians only means something when we are in church, then it's a problem. We, we must, actually, I discovered that, let me just go through my, my notes. The church was becoming more and more important to us than kingdom business. I'm talking about Zimbabwe, not here. We should be. <laughs> the Bible says, if you read in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to, to, to 14, it talks about two things. We should be both light and salt. Now, I mean, guys, let's be honest. If you are light, you are light, you are light, you are light. We are in church. Who is lighting who? We need to get into the dark corners of the world and light. My, our friends, they prepared braai for us last night. It was awesome. And they put some salt. It was nice. But a salted meat does not need more salt. So, so when we are in church, we come to church to be sharpened. We come to church to be equipped, to be the salt of the world, to be the light of the world. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. If we cannot salt, if you cannot salt your, your brother, if you cannot salt your, your next door neighbor, if you cannot salt your workmate, Sorry, I wanted to say shame on you. Ah, it's not right. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, so this, this was my problem. I had people in the church, they loved church. They loved worship. In Zim, oh, you are closer to where we are in terms of worship. We dance, my friend. We dance. We worship God. Youngsters, they feel they've done nothing until 
they clip their hands and their, their, their shirts are, are, because of sweat, they, they are wet. Yeah. They say if, I, if we go for, for a church service and we clap and our hands are, um, are, are not hurt, we have done nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come to Zimbabwe one day I will show you this is what I meant. But you see, we were entertaining people. So they're good church, yeah. So that everybody will say, I will come again. And, uh, but what are we doing to the world? What are we doing to the dark corners of the world? No salting. No lighting. So uh, we are trying to teach our people <laughs> that th- this is not church. Uh, and the other thing that was like a pol- uh, problem is what I may call collective success and fruit bearing. This is when a person in church, not here, I mean in Zim, a person in church does nothing about salting the world. But when somebody comes here and gives his life to the Lord or a life to the Lord, we all say, yeah! Yes, yes, yes. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Who did that job? It's someone who was brave enough to confront somebody and say, my friend, your life is in trouble. My life was in trouble, but this is what I did. I tried to find out where did we go wrong? And I discovered that no, God intended to give us a kingdom with everything therein, which was good. But I lost it through Adam. But the good thing is, I can, now I tell him about the good news. Jesus Christ can restore. Amen. Am I saying when somebody gives his life to the Lord in this church, we mustn't, mustn't ululate and thank God for No. Uh, but you see, the Bible, the Bible, not me, the Bible tells me that as we move towards the end days, God is going to demand fruitfulness from each and every one of us. You may be married. You have no security in your marriage. Security is in doing stuff for God. Don't think that even if your husband is a, is a strong man, when it comes to judgment, he will do anything. He will not. He will not. He will be in line. He will be in line. You in front, he, he at the back. And <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you a story? Can I tell you a story? A short story that happened. <laughs> we went to preach in some places. And when we got there, uh, there was a guy who would take his wife to church. And he goes and drink beer and all that stuff. So we preached day one, day two, day three. And on the last day, the guy saw a vision during the night. He saw people were queuing. It's the day of judgment. He's not a Christian. It's the day of judgment. He's in line. And uh, you know a guillotine? You know guillotines? Those which check, which, which uh, cuts um, uh, metal. Yes, yes. So everybody would, the first stage is you! This side. You go. You! This side. That, that's what he saw. <laughs> So some would go to the right, some would go to the, right, to the left. And he was the guy who was to go there now. So 
this guy said, you, you are supposed to go to the left. And he said, I resisted a little bit. And then he said in a very big voice, I said, go to the left. He says, I found myself there. And then the next thing was, I was supposed to put my head under the guillotine. Because what he was doing, what this guy was doing is, head in, head over there, the body there. Next. So the gentleman said, grace is upon you from now. Go and find a pastor. Give your life to the Lord. This is what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to cut off your head. And the guy woke up around 3 o'clock a.m. And he went to see the pastor. When he got to the pastor, he knocked the door. Come, come, come. Who are you? It's me. The first thing he did is to just kneel. What's the problem, Mr. So-and-so? No, no, no. I love Jesus. I want Jesus. This Jesus of yours. And, And then he gave his life to the Lord. What, what am I saying? I'm saying the, we must not believe in the fact that if this one does something good in the kingdom, it's for us all. No, it's for him. It's for her. So, I'm, I'm talking about the Zimbabwe issues. You guys, I know you're hardworking, man. You love God. You, <laughs> you're kingdom mind. You're assaulting people, I understand. <laughs> Everybody sing the light at your workplaces. Praise God. <laughs> but if what I'm saying means something to you, it's very important for you to do something. Yes. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, if I'm not mistaken. It says, it says the X is put on the root. That's what the Bible says. The X is put on the root to cut everybody or anything that doesn't bear fruit. Um, Then the second from last thing is unbiblical condemnation of sin. If we read Galatians chapter 5 verse 21, right at the end, Galatians chapter 5 from verse 16 going down, it talks about sin. Whoever does this, whoever does this, whoever that. Verse 21 is frightening. Verse 21. <laughs> Look there. Verse 21 is frightening. Yeah. It says, all those who do these things, they will never enter heaven. And that was my message to the people. Very frightening. You read, you, you read Romans chapter 1 verse 18. That one that one is, was a shocker to me. It says, if, if, we, if we do church stuff, but we are containers that are dirty, the wrath of God will come upon such people. And that's, that's something, eh? Mm, we all know that sin actually kills you spiritually. Sometimes even it kills you physically. And, and sin hinders growth and effectiveness. He, he, sin can steal your joy and reverses the gains of salvation. We never protect sin, not at all. But we were preaching condemnation without hope, without a way out. 
Hey, God help me, man. How can you tell people about their problems and you have no solution? Oh, okay, this is what happened. I proved this thing uh, uh, for myself. What happened? I was preaching strongly like that. Then what happened? We encountered the heavy defeats from the devil. At the times, you'd see a little girl getting pregnant at 12. In your church. In your church. Now, as you all know, pregnancy is not a problem. But what brought pregnancy is a problem. It's sin. So those 12-year-olds are sinning in your church. In my church. Yet I'm preaching so powerfully. It is because it doesn't matter how powerful you preach against sin. Humanity is a fallen human being. Sins still. So, and would, would notice some guys, the way they, they dance and all that stuff, it shows these people are, are drug addicts. This is not just dancing for God. They are drugs. Suicides. People are dying in churches. They commit suicide. But we speak so much about anything that may, com- that may lead a person to commit suicide. What about divorce? Many people have been divorcing in my own church. I'm not talking about here. You guys, you are wonderful men. No divorce. That's great. But I, I could not answer myself, why is it that I'm preaching so powerfully against the sin, but people are divorcing? Uh-huh. I said, okay. So, so there should be an alternative. Extramarital affairs in church. Thank God for South Africa. There's no extramarital affairs. The guys are God-fearing. Ladies, God-fearing. But they, ooh, big thing. Abuse. Huh? Can you, can you see my hand? Allowing this hand to descend on my wife's face. That's abuse. I can speak in tongues and try to tell people about the, how bad the sin is. But it's not about convincing a person how bad he is or she is because she already knows. She already knows what she is. So I felt in God, what, what should we do? Is it possible to live a victorious life? And God said, it's possible because we've got leverage. Number one, you've got to have a willing heart. To change. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 18. And the other thing that we do have is the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit can help us to overcome. And then more so, we have got conscience. Our conscience, our natural conscience, they can also help us to live sin. But this is the thing that came into my mind. I've been preaching like that and naming all different types of sins. But the truth is, guys, we're all here. Let's be honest. If I take Galatians chapter 5 from verse 16 going down, and I say, everybody of us, let's stand up. Whoever is not involved in these things, sit down. After 20 minutes, all of us will be standing. Because somewhere, somehow, we've got our own problems. 
Am I talking sense? You may not be a prostitute, but there's a problem in you somewhere. You may not be this, but there is this in you. You may not. So, it's, it's, it's not good to, this is what I felt inside of me. I was like giving this big chunk to my people to swallow everything at one time. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I discovered that maybe the best thing is for me to, for me to encourage people to hear from God what God is pointing a sin that the Holy Spirit is pointing at you and say that, correct that. Do that one at a time. You get what I'm saying? Work on that particular sin one at a time. They, listen, ladies and gentlemen, we have no syllabus in church. We have no syllabus in church that says, okay, <laughs> after two years in this church, make sure that you haven't done this and that and that and that and that. No. We need to just take it slow but genuinely. If the Holy Spirit is saying that thing, say, God, change me. Transform me in this area. This is how you eat an elephant. You can eat an elephant and finish it, but you don't take the whole leg and try to cook it and try to eat it. You your thing will not allow that. <laughs> so, just take a piece at a time. Hey, am I talking sense? Just take a piece at a time. A piece at a time. When the Holy Spirit says that, work on that. Next, on that, work on it. On that, work on it. It's better for you by the end of the year to point out and say, this year, God has worked in my life this and that. Just make it two. Or I'm, I'm not like uh, uh, asking you to have a specific number. What I'm saying is, is it not bad, better to, to try to do one or two things that the Holy Spirit is saying, this, 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 than try to do all the Galatians 65 to, 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 to 20? You will not make it. You will not make it. I think this is, this, this is liberating. This is for me. I was like, okay, let me get it to the last, to the last point. Um, my last point is this one. Discipleship. I discovered that we are not doing proper discipleship. We lost lots of our church members during the COVID era, including those whom we thought they were giants and pillars in our church. Our ineffective ways of discipleship was, was revealed. All right. Was revealed. Let us give attention to the following words because I've got a scripture there that I have put. Um, um, if you look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, it talks about two words that I want to sort of talk about. Number one, it talks about teach. Teach them. Teach the new converts teach them and it also talks about not only teaching but observe teach them to observe this word teach it actually means to enroll as a scholar or a, a, a learner to instruct or to disciple 
to enroll as a learner. Meaning to say, what was happening in our country is, or in my church is that, sorry, is that somebody comes to church and we try to say, okay, come for this kind of teaching. I heard my friend was saying, we've got this course, orientation course and all that stuff. By then, my, in, in our church, you would never say that. Because they say, it's none of your business. Why are you trying to teach me all those things? I've got the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I will read for myself. Yeah, I know you guys are good. You don't do that. When, when your pastor says, come for teaching, you all come, and, which is great. But there, problem. Are you, are you prepared to be enrolled as a student, as a scholar by your church? If not, the winds are going to blow someday. Oh, yes. And you will fall heavily. Yet we were considering you as a giant in church. Enroll yourself. Then this word, observe, it means fulfill a command or prevent from escaping. So when you are discipling a person, this is now what I understand. When you are discipling a person, you have got to, this is what we are now doing. We have got to make sure that we help that particular person to fulfill a command. You need the help for you to be able to fulfill a command. You need somebody to say, okay, this was my problem in this area and I can help you because God has actually given me breakthrough in this thing. Right. And um, the other word, this other word also means to prevent from escaping. So you, we must help somebody who is new in church not to lose what he has managed to, to receive because otherwise he receives and, and loses, receives and loses. So there should be somebody who, who helps. Our challenge uh, is this one. Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, verse 9 it, say, it talks about the fact that Paul is saying, you guys, you Philippians, this is what you have seen me doing amongst you. And that same thing you do. And that word you do, they do there, is a very, very powerful word. Very, very powerful word. It means to do something over and over again until it becomes a habit. Yes. Do it over and over again until it becomes a habit. If something good you were taught hasn't become a habit, you have never been discipled. Now, our problem is, I'm finishing now. The problem is now, yes, I saw that. But where do we start? This other day I said, I said to, hey, guys, is there anyone in our midst who can say, God has helped me to do A, B, C. If anyone comes, if anyone in this church of ours come to me, I can teach him what, what God has helped me to be able to do. So there's a lady uh, who has been part of our um, uh, training, three years training. We do Bible school at our, at our church. So she did three years. So she walked up front. They said, okay, okay, ma'am. 
please tell me, what is it that you, you know, you personally know that God has given you uh, 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 ability to live a specific life? And she started to, to, to say quite a number of things. And this is what I said. Okay, okay, those two, they are enough. So I said to the church, is what she has said true? Can you learn this thing from her? The judge said, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I said, okay, number two, can you learn something, number, number two from her? The judge says, uh-uh, uh-uh. What about number three? The judge says, yes. You see? So this lady thinks she knows it all because she went to Bible school, but the truth is she can't disable. This is now the challenge I am facing. Huh? People need to be discipled, but there is no one to disciple them. There is no one who can say, God has enabled me to uh, be victorious in this area, so let me help you to be likewise. It's a big thing. If we leave it all to the elders, it doesn't work. We need some people in this church who say, maybe not for myself, but for others, Lord, help me not to be a, a warmonger. Help, help me not to be a fornicator. I have been doing this stuff in church. I see the problem with people is, as long as they've never been caught, they will never say they are sinning. It's true. True. Everybody's smart until you are caught. <laughs> so people don't want to be honest. We need to go to God and say, God, I want to be a discipler in this church. But I can disciple somebody until I've got some victories in some things. Help me to overcome all those things. And God will help us. And uh, uh, as you know, as I am saying now, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, the words that you heard from me, those same words, give them to faithful people who will actually teach others. It is not about talking only about leaders. It is talking about kingdom-minded people who don't believe that eldership is all that the church can give. Deaconship is all that the church can I can be promoted and become so and so. No. People who say, I want to mean business with God. I want my life to salt somebody. In my church, there are people, there are people right now who need to be salted. Right now as I stand here. But unfortunately, I don't have those who have got the salt inside of them who can salt others. I don't have people who, who have got the light of God that can shine on somebody. My friends, kingdom work is bigger than what we imagine. Kingdom work is more than just a church, just meeting here. Kingdom is making sure that your neighbor, your workmate, anyone you come across, tell them about Jesus. Tell them about restoration. Tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them. Do something, because anything that we do that doesn't give glory to God is a problem. 
We must make sure that God help us to do some things that will give glory to God. Thank you very much, wonderful people, for listening to me. God bless you.